Okay, this is Dan Schaefer. I'm on site with Mr. Theodore Theopolis, who is the state chair for the Alliance Party in the state, great state of Ohio. And we're going to talk today about a couple things that are going on in Ohio. Uh, Theodore, say hello. Or should I call you Theodore, or do you prefer to be called TJ, correct? Yeah, formally it's Theodore, but the sooner I get to know you, the sooner uh, I, I'm just more comfortable with you calling me TJ. Okay. And I apologize for the background noise. You might hear some cicada bugs. You might hear a police siren. There's actually a, looks like a fire engine uh, going right next to us over here. We are sitting in beautiful downtown St. Louis, Missouri, right in front of the arch. Believe it or not, Interstate 55 kind of passes right below our feet at this point. And fortunately, the great St. Louis Fire Department is now passing by us. <laughs> this is really good timing, but this is the reality of on-the-spot reporting. Uh, TJ, you're visiting us in St. Louis here. You're visiting some friends, and I appreciate you coming down here to St. Louis, uh, near where we uh, do the recording here for the Alliance Party After Dark. And uh, when we get started here, um, Let's first of all talk a little bit about the state of Ohio, uh, what's going on in Ohio these days, because I know there's some controversy going on with redistricting, which has been somewhat stressed recently because of the uh, census numbers are coming in a little bit late because of the complications from COVID. So could you kind of uh, walk us through all this? Uh, back in 2015 and 2018, the state of Ohio, through a popular uh, referendum, passed uh, two two pieces of legislation that demanded a independent, well, a commission for, created uh, by uh, current state uh, politicians and officials mm -hmm. in order to come up with a districting map, both on the state level and on the congressional level, that, uh, that was different from what the House normally does, as the House traditionally does all the line drawing and that leads to gerrymandering. So this commission, uh, led by the governor and other state elected officials, along with the House Majority Speaker, House Minority Leader, a minority leader from the Senate, as well as the Senate, State Senate Majority Leader, have to come together and come up with a proposal to give to the House in order for the House to uh, look over and approve or disapprove on both the state uh, chair, state uh, house seats along with the congressional districts. Okay. So this has been in a tight window because the law says that this commission needs to have their maps for the state house chairs and the state senate districts drawn by September 1st. The problem is a lot of census data due to COVID-19 came in late and of course they're still bound by legislation to have something by September 1st. So they were working on a very tight deadline and between the dates August 23rd to 28th they made a series of appearances and hearings across the state of Ohio in order to have public hearsay on public hearings you mean? Yeah, public hearings on the current issues that many denizens find in both these lines being drawn both on the state house level along with the congressional districts. Okay. 
And so what's what the, what's going on with that process right now? Uh, currently, as of September 1st, they released their, their uh, for the state level, they released their uh, house uh, district uh, map. And from there, it will be looked over by the Ohio State House in order to see if there's any sort of approval. If, if the commission itself cannot come to any sort of terms uh, by a certain deadline further into the month, then the state house gets uh, their say and proposals on where the state lines are drawn. So I've been looking this thing over quite a bit, and uh, there's an article in the Columbus Dispatch about this whole complicated process, and it seems like there's a lot of alternatives. Let's say if they can't come to an agreement on plan A, they go to plan B. Plan B goes to plan C. At the very end, it says something like, if they absolutely can't come to an agreement, they go for a majority vote within the House and the Senate, but then that only holds for four years then, right? Yes, that is correct. So there's a lot, so it is a convoluted process. I wish we had the chart that has been going around on the social media, as well as in uh, newspapers about this very weird process in which there needs to be some sort of consensus within the commission, along with some sort of ratification by the state house. So at the end of the day, um, I looked at the Ohio State map, the districting map, and um, it was like looking at a series of ink blots with the with the gerrymandered sites there. Do you think that the the referendum's original purpose, from what I understand, was to try to eliminate gerrymandering? Do you think that this is, process is actually going to be successful? I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball or anything like that, but the attempt here is to try to make it fair, right, and not try to draw these inkblot-looking sort of districts, uh, gerrymandered districts. But what's your opinion on that? Well, there are certain guidelines that these maps need to meet. For instance, a county cannot be split more than twice by a congressional district. By congressional districts, so it can its county can only be in two congressional districts, rather than something like Cuyahoga County, which is where Cleveland sits, which is split in four different congressional districts. Wow. Okay. So that's going to eliminate that. But what if they? What if they go all the way to Plan D and they still can't come to an agreement for four years anyways? Can they still violate that agreement with the uh, not splitting the county in more than two districts? Uh, they will still have to obey that. Uh, I like to borrow a, uh, a phrase that a uh, state opinion columnist, Thomas Sudd, said. It's like, this initiative will not make congressional districts or state house districts fair. They will just make them less unfair. Well, that's the best we can hope for these days, I tell you. That's a lot of states. Ohio is not the uh, not the exception in this case. A lot of states, including the beautiful state of Missouri, where we are right now, has a lot of gerrymandered districts. I was looking at some of these gerrymandered lines. I'm seeing them go like around somebody's house. You know, it's, like, it's down to that to that level. Okay, so um, in Ohio, we also have some issues going on. One one thing you suggested that we talked about today, which I thought was fascinating, I'd heard about this on the national news some months ago, but I never really dug into it till I started looking into it as per your suggestion. Uh, the first energy scandal, and what's that? What could you kind of walk us through with this? What's going on here, and how that's affecting politics? You know, I have ants crawling all over me too. I don't know about you, but. Well, so far, so good. So far, but so good. Mosquitoes love me. So. <laughs> okay, well, if the mosquitoes attack us, we'll run away. Ants don't bite us, so yeah. I don't think they will anyways. But go ahead. Tell us what's going on with First Energy and that whole scandal. Okay, so during the uh, 
2018 elections, we had our House Speaker called Larry Householder, who cut a shady deal with a company called First Energy, an energy company based out of Akron, Ohio, who, in exchange for $61 million contributed, funneled through, of dark money, funneled through a organization called Generation Now, who then proceeded to funnel that money to other dark, shady organizations for campaign financing to state house seats elections in which those people would in return for that money would pledge to vote Larry Householder back as house speaker and so that went on up until recent up until last year where the FBI came in and indicted uh, Larry Householder and a couple of other people involved with the scandal and it really rocked uh, Ohio politics because in exchange for that dark money, Larry Householder helped push through a bill that cost Ohio taxpayers $1.3 billion to help bail out First Energy uh, nuclear power plants, two of sites in, in Ohio. So this has become probably the largest scandal in the state history, or at least in the 21st century. Yeah, it's a shameless display of of um, uh, bribery that I've seen. I mean, th these guys were pretty shameless about it. They took something like sixty-one million dollars from an organization known as what's this called, First Energy, or something like that. It's actually, so First Energy has a uh, lobbying organization called Generation Now, and they put sixty-one million dollars into Generation Now, which was then funneled to other shady organizations for campaign finance and lobbying in order in, in which Larry Householder benefited in getting people that would vote him back into House Speakership and in exchange 1.3 billion of Ohio taxpayer dollars goes to First Energy. And now 1.3 billion dollars actually came from jacking up the electric rates, right? Uh, there's a complications with that it may, might be possible, we are not entirely sure because that's currently under investigation as a, the governor appointed a chair to public utilities uh, who himself has been indicted or under investigation at the very least uh, for accepting roughly $22 million in consultation fees from uh, First Energy for any sort of consultation. Uh, and as recently as just a few weeks before his appointment as chair of public utilities, received uh, $4.3 million from First Energy. Wow. And so we're, the governor now is Governor Mike DeWine, correct? Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of ensnaring him in a sense. Do you, is he, is he uh, I, I should say, in your opinion, is he innocent? I mean, is, he, did he know anything about this during the time that it was going on? So there are people from formerly in his administration that say, yes, he knew the, this kind of pay-for-play uh, kind of tactic that was going on. Uh, the other uh, shady thing would be his legislation director, husband, also did consulting for First Energy. So there are multiple ties uh, that can be traced from First Energy to the DeWine administration. And so the money exchanging hands here wasn't just for campaign finance, wasn't there? A, was, was there some uh, personal 
payback going on in here or some, some people drawing money on a personal basis, do you know? Yes, I believe that the uh, husband of the director of legislation within the DeWine's administration was accepting this money on his personal behalf. How's this going to play out for the 2022 elections? And is the governor up for uh, re-election in 2022? But I know this, in the state legislatures, uh, this is all on the Republican side. Um, how is this going to play out for those individuals? I mean, some of them are under indictment. They're under investigation. Others are under investigation from the FBI. Uh, Ohio has a trifecta, also has a supermajority, as, re- as I recall, of Republicans in both the House and the Senate plus the governorship, this is going to go badly for them? Or do you think that people will look past this by the time the next election rolls around? It will be hard because Mike DeWine took a more uh, sensible action when COVID-19 became a serious threat to Ohioan lives, uh, in which he was one of the first, if not the first, to shut down schools and transfer everything over to online teaching which, upon other things, was not popular among the uh, deep red base. So, along with those actions, with First Energy, there's a former congressman called Jim Renacci, who is, who is going to be challenging Mike DeWine in the primaries. And I suspect that that will be if DeWine fails to, fails to obtain a second term as governor, this will be likely from the primaries, as we so often see. Ah, okay. So everything can come out in the laundry during the primaries. That's I keep forgetting about that because really the real elections, especially in a state like Ohio, when you have a, a, a trifecta and a vast majority of Republicans, really the primaries is where all the voting, the action takes place. Because by the time uh, the primaries are settled, the in most of these districts, I suspect that uh, the party that wins is kind of a foregone conclusion by that time. Yeah. So. Throughout the pandemic, there played out a uh, conflict between the kind of the Trump base and your grandpappy's Republicans. And Mike DeWine is kind of a textbook example of your grandpappy's Republicans because he's a grandpappy Republican himself. So there's been a lot of conflict. As of, I believe, May or April, the House overrode a veto by the governor in which the legislation has power on medical uh, emergency actions taken by the state government. So things like shutting down schools, mass mandates, those are things that the state legislation will have a say in rather than any sort of swift action that is expected from the governor. Okay. So your grandpappy's uh, Republican Party, yeah, I like to call the new Republican Party the GQP. It's kind of a play on words here, the Q being from QAnon. Um, It seems like the Republican Party has split in a sense. Um, You have the grandpappy Republican wing and you have the the new, I would call maybe the Trumpian political wing. so tell us a little bit about the elections and the primaries that are coming up here. What, uh, what compelling things do you see on the horizon? Well, one compelling story, speaking about uh, QAnon, and of course that being associated with the insurrection that happened on January 6th, is that one, one of eight Republicans that voted to impeach Trump based on his actions associated with this attempt to, uh, well, take the Congress hostage, or worse, uh, is, go, and his name is Anthony Gonzalez, 
And for those in Ohio that are listening, it's, yes, it's that Anthony Gonzalez who was on the Ohio State football team, most notably during their championship run in 06 that came up short when, ironically enough, Urban Meyer, and of, who was the head coach of Florida, soundly beat our Buckeyes. But yes, he is a very familiar name in Ohio, but he is going against somebody that's a little bit newer, but at the same time has powerful backing. His name is Max Miller. He was a former Trump aide. You can say he was kind of a showrunner for a lot of the rallies. He got on people's cases about where the stand should be, where the mic should be, where cameras should be for these Trump rallies. And of course, he was a uh, really effective at that, which of course impressed Trump. And so Trump endorsed Mike Max Miller for the uh, for the Republican primary in Anthony Gonzalez's district. Okay, so with Trump's endorsement, is that going to ha have any more pull? Do you think? Because from what I'm seeing of Trump these days, his endorsement is not necessarily a good thing anymore. Or do you? What was your feeling about that? I believe, based on the behaviors of the state house and a lot of other Republicans here in the state of Ohio, who uh, at least five congressmen from Ohio voted down the ratification of the Electoral College vote. So I believe that Anthony Gonzalez has quite the challenge on his hands. He should not uh, under, under, mess, underestimate uh, Max Miller and the backing that he will have, not just with Trump, but a lot of the Trump base, a lot of the Trump uh, uh, big money people. So Anthony Gonzalez has a lot of work cut up for himself, even though he does reliably vote conservative. Okay. So anything else happening in the uh, elections or primaries coming up that's of uh, interest to you at this point? I know it's kind of early. We've not even started the year 2022 yet, but um, any, any more uh, exciting news going on? Um, yes, I think there is. On top of the Republican primary, that is so far being a two-way uh, race between Jim Renacci and Governor DeWine, there's also on the Democratic side, a lot of people that, oh, before I get into that, we actually, more importantly, have the Senate seat becoming open. Oh, Rob yeah. Portman, after several years of serving in the state Senate for Ohio, has decided to step down and will not uh, go for re-election in 2022. This has opened up a wide race uh, full of people, uh, particularly on the Republican side. So we have three uh, candidates that are of interest. One is, I believe her name is Kimberly Timken. She is married to uh, the family that owns Timken Steel, which is a very familiar site here in Ohio. They have many steel plants across the state. Very affluent, very big Republican backers. She recently served as Ohio chair and quite successfully, she was very good at fundraising. She turned a swing state almost reliably red or in that direction as Trump won the state of Ohio twice, both in 2016 and in the 2020 election. So there is another candidate that is probably the second most likely. His name is Joss Mandel. He was a Marine veteran that went on to serve as state treasurer uh, for a few years back in the early 2010s. Uh, where he also ran for the Senate and failed to beat Sherrod Brown for his Senate seat. Uh, 
Josh Mandel has recently had a scandal about how he ran his campaign uh, that was very antagonistic to a lot of staffers, uh, along with showing some favoritism with somebody that he was dating within the campaign. So it's very interesting kind of, I want to say almost train wreck because it's because it's very fascinating how his campaign is doing. However, he does have some very influential backing. I believe the radio conservative host Mark Levin, if, if I'm saying his name right, had endorsed Josh Mandel for the state Senate seat. And since Levin is now, after the passing of Rush Limbaugh, is the most popular conservative talk radio host in America, may have some valuable sway for Josh Mandel. The last person of note that I will talk about will be J.D. Vance. For some of you out there who might have that sound familiar, he is the author of Hillbilly Elegy. He is, a, I believe, a venture capitalist or a wealth, part of a wealth management fund during the time as he published that. But of course, he is from Hamilton County, uh, more, more specifically Middletown, Ohio, where he grew up. And of course, that experience that he had from moving from the rural Appalachian regions into a more urban setting uh, was the basis of his book, Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, for him, he is very new to politics. However, he has come over fire for things he said in the 2016 election in which he was more or less uh, visibly against Trump winning the uh, nomination for the Republican uh, candidacy. So on top of that, he is still relatively new to politics. I believe this is his first office he's run for. Uh, his campaign got on a very uh, anticlimactic start at these openings uh, announcement for his campaign. The sign on his podium fell off. <laughs> fell off? Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it just kind of fell off. It's like, well, that's not a good omen, I would say. <laughs> Well, he's going for the brass ring. I mean, this, he's, you know, he's starting off at a U.S. Senate position going for that. That's uh, pretty enthusiastic. But then again, Trump ran for no other office other than president, and he won that, too. So you never know what could happen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, however, he may be second in enthusiasm compared to Josh Mandel, who this will be his third time running for the Ohio Senate seat. So... You would think that uh, Mandel would have a better idea of how to run his campaigns. However, against those upcoming scandals, uh, those have kind of not been very, uh, again, not a very good omen. However, there is a notable word that went around in which I believe both Mandel, Timken, both visited Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Now, the common wisdom was Timken was going to get the nod from Trump because Timken delivered Ohio, which is something that, of course, Trump found valuable because it's valuable to his political brand as somebody favoring particularly white working class, middle American, middle Americans. Yeah. So, however, he withheld any sort of favoritism to Timken uh, in consideration of that in which he just kind of allowed one another along with several other uh, Senate aspirationals uh, go at it during this dinner that has been kind of labeled a kind of a Hunger Games-esque episode. <laughs> so Trump has so far withheld who he would back for the nomination 
So it's kept things up in the air. A lot of us are still thinking Timken because Timken is very good at fundraising. Uh, she has proven herself very good at managing campaigns, organization. But at the same time, we don't know. Uh, all it takes is sometimes is a little slight, and then you're on the you're backsliding in his uh, in yeah. his favor. Suddenly, you're on the outside looking in. If you make one mistake, that's that's true. That's um, I guess that's one of those uh, realities in in dealing with that uh, w with Trump. Um, so let's switch to the Alliance Party itself. What's going on with the Alliance Party at this point, and uh, what sort of plans? Does the Alliance Party contemplating for the next election? For us, we will be, one, searching for uh, people to help us out. Two, as of the immediate moment, as of this uh, election season, we have a former state chair of the Alliance Party, Aaron Reedy, running for Board of Education in Willoughby, Ohio. So uh, a little bit about Aaron, along with him being part of the, uh, being the state chair of Ohio upon the form of the Alliance Party, as he was formerly the chair, state chair for the modern Whig Party in Ohio, uh, served in the Marines uh, in, our, in Iraq, uh, and has lived in the area, of, ah, goodness, for quite some time. Uh, he has kids that go through, that are in the, that uh, education system. So he's a person that's very enthusiastic, very kind, very affable, individual that would be ecstatic to have anybody help him out. Okay, good. And uh, so you say you need people to help you out in the Alliance Party. What sort of uh, help are you looking for at this point? Well, just people to, uh, that are enthusiastic of and are sick and tired of what we're currently seeing now in our state politics to just shake things up. The problem with gerrymandering, the problem with this duopoly is that it's very convenient for the two parties to brush aside things like these monumental scandals. Uh, among other things, I, I would uh, be uh, in error to not mention a few scandals that happened on the Democratic side in Ohio. A lot of them had taken place on the local level, so I believe Two city council, two or three city council members in Cincinnati have been indicted for some sort of corruption or racketeering by the FBI, and I believe a long-standing city council member up in Cleveland uh, also has, I think, been charged or been convicted of uh, corruption. Wow. So it's difficult for the Alliance Party, I know, as, as any so-called, I hate to use the term third party because it makes it sound like they're on the outside. Uh, we, the country definitely needs more than two parties, but um, because of gerrymandering and because of the ingrained sort of mentality of most people actually thinking, are you, are you Democrat or Republican? If you're not one of them, you're, you know, you, they look at you like you landed on a, from a different planet or something. Um, so it is an uphill battle. How do you how do you introduce the Alliance Party to people in Ohio? Well, that can always be a little tough because certain people react certain ways. Again, people like third parties. That kind of has its own stigma behind it. Uh, but I like to introduce ourselves as a inconvenience, a disruption to the two-party system that most Ohioans 
have voice are sick and tired of. They did not know who was going to, when they passed the legislation, both in 2015 and in 2018, who was going to control the state house come 2020. But they just knew we do not care who is in power. We want something fair. We deserve better. And if you're a person that believes in that and believes to be causing a disruption and believes that there is another way, a middle way, so to speak, then I would kindly invite you to join me and others in Ohio. Okay, and to join people, to join the uh, party and help out with the Alliance Party in Ohio, well, obviously we can go to the website www.theallianceparty.com. You can uh, look at the state party leadership and right embedded in there is your name and... Okay, so that was, I said your name and Ern. Uh, your name and yes, my name's her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what is that guy with the fire truck over there? I think he's, uh, he's just playing with us, man. He knows we're talking and we're recording something. Uh, but anyways, your name appears there. Your picture appears there. Your email address appears there. So uh, you're trying to have you put together any organization yet in terms of like uh, treasurer or uh, volunteer coordinator or anything? I mean, you're looking for everything, right? Basically everything. So I have a vice chair, uh, a nice guy by the name of Jim Moore, who is also chair of Congressional District 1, which incorporates uh, Hamilton County and Cincinnati. Uh, so yes, I am looking for many people. I'm looking for social media, treasurer, secretary. I'm looking for congressional chairman. So if you are looking to wanting to rep your congressional district, which will change on you, uh, hopefully for the better, but yeah. unknowingly. However, there's also state or on the county level, uh, I'd be enthused to see anybody looking to organize on the county and local level as well. And I'd be appreciative of that, and I will try to be of the utmost assistance to anybody looking to be engaged on that level. Okay, and uh, just one final note here. I, I forgot to ask this earlier. The state of Ohio is losing one representative district, isn't it? Do you know how that's going to affect things? Uh, not quite sure. For us, it's just kind of demoralizing as Ohio becomes of decreasing importance, as we were once a very, very valuable uh, swing state. And the retraction both reflects our decline in political influence and sadly our decline in economic hearsay. It's not like Ohio is not reforming itself, but 2008 recession hit us really hard and a lot of cities including my hometown of Dayton have really had to do a lot of uh, soul searching and re-identifying after some major uh, factories and companies moved out including um, if you have not heard of the documentary The Last Truck that took place at a GM plant in Moraine just outside of Ohio uh, so that was you know one of the many things that uh, Dayton had lost and so it had to reform itself it's on the upswing I would say uh, despite, sadly, the heroin epidemic that hit Montgomery County, where Dayton is really hard, one of the hardest in the nation. But still, I'm optimistic of where the state is heading, and I'll be more optimistic if I hear more people from Ohio voicing change. Okay. We've been talking with, Mr., uh, with the Ohio State Chair, Theodore Theopolis, otherwise known as TJ. Uh, thanks for uh, stopping by here in the beautiful downtown St. Louis, TJ, and, uh, and chatting with us for a little while.
Uh, thank you for having me on, Dan. It's been real fun talking to you here in the city I was born in. And thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any new episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast this evening and would like to get involved in the Alliance Party, please see our website at www.theallianceparty.com. All one word, The Alliance Party www.theallianceparty.com. As we expand the party, we need your involvement. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Donations and volunteers are always welcome. If you'd like to contact us at the Alliance Party After Dark, drop us an email at podcast at theallianceparty.com. Also, see our Twitter page at Alliance On Air. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for this evening's edition of the Alliance Party After Dark. And on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe, be aware, and please take care of yourself and those around you.